Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and welcome to another episode of Let's Rage Cougs. We are off the heels of the final Houston Cougars football game for the 2022 season. And what an interesting game it was. The Cougars come out victorious in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. They come out, they pitch a second half shutout against, a shutout against the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, in which the Cougars came out victorious 23-16. to We saw a lot of the, the last time we saw the connection, from quarterback Clayton Toon and Nathaniel Tank, or Nathaniel Tank Dell for the Cougars. They had two touchdowns over on the season. They wrapped up with 17 total touchdowns for the 2022 campaign. Now, I know when it comes from the game perspective, probably didn't go as smooth as a lot of fans would have liked it to, to have wanted it to go. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. Thank you for those of you guys that are joining us here. I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. And if you, um, wherever you are in the country, there's a good chance that you're probably dealing with freezing weather. So we hope that you're staying warm as well. Joining me, as always, Dayon Dunlap. Dayon, how are you doing, sir? Oh, man, I'm doing well. Glad the Cougars pulled out the wind. But like everyone else around the world, I'm trying to stay warm and it's cold. Yes, sir. It is cold. And thank you, like I said, for those that are joining us, including our who one of our viewers that is watching live on the Houston Rombaugh Review YouTube channel in Orbita said, geez, I was anxious all game. It was horrible in the first half, but way to hustle by our guys in the second. So, I mean, Dan, where do you want to start? Do you want to start in the second half? Do you want to start in the first half? Because it was a tell two halves for Houston, the team overall. Or, I mean, in particular, is there a specific player? Where where should we start? Because there's a lot to get into about this game. I mean, let's start with the second half, how the game ended, because it was kind of indicative. Really, the entire game was indicative of the, how the entire season went. And yeah. so, like, I wasn't really surprised. The offense sputtered throughout the entire game. Defense was being with don't break. Um, made a lot of stops. Offense finally got it clicking at the end. And so, I mean, I mean, let's let's start with Clayton. I mean, his last game. So I think it's only right that we, we start with Clayton. And for the most part, I mean, he was very efficient, made the right play per usual, didn't have any turnovers. And early on, um, it looks like he wasn't as healthy. Early on, he got tackled, and it looked like yeah. he may have been hampered a little bit. So I was kind of questioning if he should stay in or if they would keep him in uh, only simply because his health. But he – of course, throughout his entire career, he showed his toughness, battled out, and he did a good job of closing the game, really. Yeah, he did have a scary moment there early in the game where it seemed like he might have – I don't know if it officially – it looked like he had tweaked his, his knee or some yeah. part of issue with his leg, and he was limping a little bit. And that 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 right there, that's the worst thing you could have you know seen from a Houston Cougars perspective, like you said, this is going to be his last game. He didn't necessarily have to go out there and compete in the bowl game. But like you said, what Tune has shown throughout his entire career here at the University of Houston, he his toughness, he stuck it out. And not only that, but he was able to – it's not like he was just became a, a different player in terms of him being maybe more passive or more protective. You know, He was out there. There was a point in the second half when it was a third near the goal line, and he, he – almost near dove for the first trying to get the first down they made it a fourth and one and he was just going out there for like he had been all season trying to make plays to come out and help his team go away with the win now on that play particular it ended up being a fourth and short that on the following play they got stuffed um but that's something 
the way they came out in the third quarter, they went on a drive, they drove down the field, they connected with a touchdown. It kind of, like you said, I think you put it right, you hit it around the head in terms of it was kind of a microcosm of the way the entire season had gone. They had to battle through adversity. They had to come together. I mean, they could have very easily gone into halftime down 10 to Louisiana and let go of the rope, and they didn't. And then that after they scored the first touchdown in the third quarter, it was it, it seemed I don't know that it would be the right way to describe it, but kind of seemed like a hot potato game between the two teams of yeah. trying to figure out who, who's gonna want to win the game. You know, there was punts here and, and credit to the defense. Yes. Looking on their side of the ball because they forced three turnovers in that second half. And one of them came on a drive. It looked like Louisiana and Houston had just tied it. It looked like they were on the verge of, of taking a go-ahead lead at the very worst case scenario. They would have a field goal. And they forced a fumble inside of their own 10-yard line. And then that allowed not only Louisiana to stay off the board, but kind of gave some more momentum back to the Cougars. You're right, man. And like all year long, scrambling quarterback came in and Houston, he gave them Houston problems and they were able to yep. move the ball down the field, but they were very opportunistic and they got the takeaway and, and ball back in the offense's hands. And that was huge. And the offense, I mean, early the first half, typical like the year, they started off slow, but it was like, I was wondering what's the game plan. It looked like the offense looked all year. I'm sure pretty much like they look um, on tape when Louisiana watch film. And so a lot of pass, I mean, although you, you look at the numbers and be like, well, they ran an X amount of times. They quick to go away with the run and allow the defenses just to play coverage. You drop coverage, then Clayton doesn't have anywhere to go with the ball because it's, what, eight in coverage, sometimes mm-hmm. seven or eight in coverage. And so he has to pull down, maybe try to extend the play, and he's taking more hits than he probably should. But I was very intrigued with Coach Hogerson game press conference he talked about allowing Clayton Toon to call his own plays and he said Clayton pretty much called the game and changed the play on the last play of the game to throw the ball to Tank and Tank of course did what he's done all year got open and caught the ball for a touchdown so definitely gonna miss that connection gonna miss Tank but man what a drive to end the game I'm glad it ended the way it did with a tune to Dale pass for a touchdown but Oh, man, cool fans pretty much went for a whirlwind in that game, watching that game like they did throughout the entire season. No, absolutely. I think that's that's interesting you bring up that point in regards to Horace. I think what that shows most importantly is the trust that he and Toon had been able to build, that he has a confidence in his quarterback to be able to go in there and be able to call the plays himself. And that's something that you know, wasn't the case in previous years. And that just goes kind of the progression of their relationship over the course of the years. And like you said, for one final time, they'd be able to connect and it's kind of again, going back to kind of the theme that this game was kind of a, a small sample of the whole season, it, it's only fitting that those two were the ones that made the final play to put Houston over the hump because, especially on offense, a lot of times that was kind of the, the engine. Those two were the engines that ran the entire Houston Cougar offense, and today that was the case. Now, before we transition, I want to focus more specifically on Tank Dell, but for those of you that are joining us watching live, and oh my God, this might have ended up being perfect. We didn't plan this, but this is Let's Rage Cougs. You're watching the Let's Rage Cougs on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. 
And today's sponsors for the show will start off with Star Pizza Houston's best pizza since 1976 with various locations across the Houston area. Be sure to visit Star Pizza either in person or online at starpizza.net where you can click to order via their website and or just stop on and check out their menu items. Once again, that's Star Pizza Houston's best pizza since 1976 and our other sponsor for today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs is H-O-U-N-I-L. H-O-U-N-I-L dot com is a subscription-based name, image, and likeness model that benefits both Cougar student-athletes and fans. H-O-U-N-I-L helps to Houston student-athletes benefit from the new NIL rules. Athletes can create original content in their own words, giving subscribers insight into their lives on and off the court. When the What the players need is for you to subscribe. Plans start at just $20 a month, and that money goes to the University of Houston athletes, subscribers will get one-of-a-kind content straight from the players while helping the Houston Cougars compete on the national stage. Subscribe at HOUNIL.com. And as always, go Cougs. And we didn't plan this, but it, it works out fittingly because here comes Ryan Monceau from GoCougs.com and the owner of HOUNIL. Ryan, how are you doing? How are you staying warm? First, and I am great. How are you there, Andy? I'm great. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, okay, back to you. <laughs> and out to the field. No. Uh, so let's start. We just talked about the second half, the turnaround. Really, uh, Dayon kind of said it perfectly just in terms of the way this game ended up shaking out. It was kind of like it was a uh, microcosm of the entire season. They got off to a slow start. They were really getting killed by penalties early in regards to the Houston Cougars. The defense was bending but not breaking. They did give up, they, obviously, the opening drive where uh, Louisiana went down the field and capped it off with a touchdown, and then they held them to field goals the rest of the way. And then the second half, Houston showed fight. They scored the opening drive touchdown, and then the defense pitched a shutout. Or your overall takeaways, initial takeaways from Houston, and now they are Independence Bowl champions because you know how prestigious the Independence Bowl is. Well, I'm a big Independence Bowl fan, Andy, and it's rude for you to talk that way about the nice people of Shreveport. They've done nothing to you. Um, my takeaway is that this is how it was supposed to go. It was supposed to be ugly. It was supposed to be stupid. It was supposed to count on some good breaks. It was supposed to be some dumb penalties down the stretch. And then Clayton Toon figures out a way, and he involves... Nathan Nathaniel Dell, and he uh, called the play on the field, is what Dana said in the post game. Um, you got, first off, Louisiana Lafayette stunk in the second half. I, I don't understand what they were doing, why they chose to go about the way they did. They almost looked like they were just playing ball control, just trying to run clock. Uh, Juvich got super lucky on the uh, Henry fumble. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. on the second Henry fumble, I just forgot that he, he fumbled again and Patrick Paul fell on it. The other one, the guy's hand was out of bounds. Um, I mean, you know, it could have ended way different. And you would have had a fan base just outside their minds if you lost that game. I mean, it was an ugly game. It just... Playing in this kind of weather, you can't expect anything to look great. And 
as a receiver, that ball coming at you is like a cinder block. Yeah. And uh, last night in the Baylor game, I think it was way more obvious. Guys just did not want to catch the ball. Um, but those are my takeaways. I, I still don't understand the run game for this program at all. Stacy Sneed did not get a carry against Tulsa. He only gets six today. Uh, Toon Henry and Campbell all had 45 yards each, which I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, otherwise, it, it, had you won this game by a touchdown or lost it by a touchdown in this kind of fashion, I don't think it really changes anything. Um, it's just ugly. And I don't know where your appetite is for football going into the Big 12 if you're a fan. But this didn't help. I guess getting an eighth win is nice. And Dana is going to pump the this team won 20 games in two years. But it's pretty bad. But maybe, you won. Maybe it's his expectation. He talked to, always mentions outside expectation put on this team. So maybe he met his expectation. But, yeah, Ryan, you're right on with the run game. Maybe it's just a token run game just, just to hand it off just to – I don't know, but when I watch it, it, I was just watching them. They stop running it, and then when they do run it, it's just the same run calls. I was wondering, like, what? I know Alton is so good, but outside of that, Sneed had a good year. He had an explosive game, and then all of a sudden he's not getting carries. Then, man, I was – I don't know, but it's a win. A win is a win, and and um, like I said a second ago, I mean, Clayton and Tank, I'm glad they figured it out at the end, specifically Clayton. Um it's good to hear Dana say that he was calling his own plays, and that's what I've been kind of clamming for all year, a fifth-year senior in this offense for X amount of time. You want him to change plays and kind of own the offense. And it was good to see him do that towards the end. Just really classic Clayton, man, battling, tough, um, not willing to go out, extending plays, really doing whatever he had to do to win the game. And so uh, ugly, but I'm glad they got the win for sure. You know, my biggest takeaway on Clayton Toon is he's tough. tough. And yeah. I will go out thinking of him as just a really tough guy. Same. And I don't know if he got the best coaching while he was here. I don't know if he got all he could have out of his talent. But the guy was tough. If you yeah. remember, he took five sacks in his first start against Memphis in 2018. And then comes back in that bowl game against Arm Army, sacked him ten times. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the guy just kept getting up, and he kept getting up. And then when King checks out, you know, his he comes and he plays hurt against Cincinnati that year. Uh, his hamstring was never right, but he just he battled and through you know. And you can talk about the the teams and the schedule they play, but. He played, he played tough, and he put this team on his back for at least three wins this year for UTSA, for Memphis, and then today. You know, Andy, anytime you want to say something, go ahead. No, I was going to say in regards to that toughness level is something we had mentioned uh, before you came on to the show that, that that's kind of been his identity, that that it's been consistent with him throughout. Now, what I was going to point out, it's something that, that's been mentioned by a few of our viewers is the inconsistency in play calling. 
a comment by uh, King Jaja who says the inconsistency in play calling is what bothers him. And then in Orbita says if Tune is able to call better offensive plays than offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson, that's not his official title, then that's really worrisome. That's something that seems to be a common theme in regards to this program going ahead, like you said, into the Big 12. Next year, they're not going to have Clayton Toon. They're going to have some new quarterback, whether it's Donovan Smith or anyone else, Lucas Coley or potentially someone else that they bring. But so it's going to be kind of maybe not necessarily start from from square one, but really close to it because that relationship's not going to be there with assuming that, that it will be Dana Hoverson and, and potentially who knows who's still calling plays, if it's still Dawson or if any of that changes. But that relationship has to you know, get built. And it'll it, – that whoever's at quarterback next season is not going to have that luxury to be able to check plays, at least I wouldn't think after today. So what, if anything, because I'm, pr- I'm pretty confident I know the answer from both of you because there's there's not much that instills confidence from the coaching staff perspective, but what could the offense look like next season when you play callers, at least from a play calling standpoint, because Dan, like you said, especially when it comes to the running game, it seems to be, and you mentioned Stacey Sneed, I would, think it's arguable to say that Stacey Steen was the most consistent back throughout this season and his carries that it, it always seemed like it's kind of a running back by committee during game by games like well Dejon Henry's your turn to run Brandon Campbell's your turn to run and if someone catches fire maybe we'll we'll kind of run with you for the rest of the game but there's not really that consistency or anything that instills confidence from a play calling standpoint go ahead yeah, Ryan. go first um, I, yeah, I, I think the play calling was very consistent this year. It was indescribable and it was consistently that yeah. from day one. Um, Dayon talked about the running game and, and how it's between the tackles. Most of the time you saw two counters to the left side late in the game, probably both in the fourth quarter. I think both were on the winning drive. It was the first play Clayton tune and then Henry ran it. Um, and they had success running outside the tackles. And if every play call all year was to set those two plays up, then okay. But I don't, I don't think that's what it was. Um, I would love to see them use the outside to run. But in four years, you just have not seen that. And you can't expect to start seeing it next year. Um, you're going to have Alton. You're going to have Brandon Campbell. You're going to have Stacey Sneed. Um, Henry, who has gotten first dibs in most games. I mean, Dana just really liked him. And if you're going to run between the tackles, the five foot seven guy's not the guy I would start with. Um, Brandon Campbell had the run on fourth down where they get stopped. It was a high snap. And Dana has had a quick hook with him. He fumbled in a home game, maybe South Florida. Um, after he, he broke one off and he fumbled it, I think into the end zone or right at the end zone and didn't see another, didn't see another rush the entire game. And that was in the first quarter, I believe. Um, he just had a really quick hook with him. Stacy Snead just hasn't had the, the attempts. Um, he's in for more pass plays than he's in for rush attempts. That might be an injury thing. I don't know, but it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, as far as next year, if it's Donovan Smith or Lucas Coley, you're going to see the running back or the, excuse me, the quarterback 
run a lot more. Um, and there's going to be a lot more design runs for him than there was for Clayton Toon. Even though Clayton ran it quite a bit, um, I, I think you're just going to, I mean, just by who they are, you're going to see the, the quarterback run it more. Your receivers, I just don't know what you can expect. Manjack is a, is a really, I like him. I don't know if he's a take the game over kind of guy. Um, and then I think with, with Alton McCaskill and, and the other guys that you're going to have, um, it just might be the same sort of thing you saw in the first half of this year of just trying to shorten games, of run the ball, run the ball, to run the ball and shorten games. Because I, are you going to be able to, to block Big 12 defensive linemen in year one? Maybe not. And so, well, you know, a, a quarterback that can run the ball and can get outside makes that a lot easier. But you'll have to see it proven before you, you can bet on it. Yeah, uh, like Ryan said, the play calling this year is pretty much consistently what it was. It seems easy to prepare for. Like I said before you got on, Ryan, it seems like that game plan that they had coming to the game of Louisiana was the same against Tulsa, and, and that's just me as an observer watching it. And so I'm, as a coach and staff, I'm sure it's easy to prepare for something that they've done for, what, 10, 11, however many weeks it is. But as far as next year um, – I think, like Ryan said, you definitely see more quarterback run, more the quarterback design runs, more read option. And I think the quick passing game will be a lot more. I don't think it'll be as much deep shots unless it's Donovan Smith because he had he has a stronger arm. And I haven't seen Lucas enough to be able to give my opinion as, as far as his arm, but I've seen enough of Smith to I think he can make every throw. He's a little bit more athletic than, than Clayton, but um, he's just very turnover prone. And so – I like the receivers, the run game, I think, well, the running backs probably be our strongest suit. But also to the point of having a short lease with Campbell, I really don't understand that. That's a very true, and I noticed that as well. And in my opinion, he's the most complete back that we had this season. He can run outside. He can run between the tackles. He can catch. And he was very explosive, and he can break tackles. That's what I've seen a lot in against the first game against UTSA. I was like, okay, this kid can really be special if he gets the volume of touches, but uh, it kind of never fruition, either, even with Snead. I think he is very elusive, has great vision and really good speed, but he never got the volume enough only in a couple games to truly flourish and see his um, full potential. But I think next year they will get back to trying to control the time of possession and, and win that battle and trying to limit the defense as much on the um, time on the field, but really trying to control the time of possession and, and win that battle. But um, the the receivers, I think Manjack is a, is a complimentary receiver, and I think he'll be a good complimentary receiver to Sam Brown. I mean, hopefully he comes back. I don't really know his his deal as far as they just spend him for the bowl game or, or what happened. I, <clears throat> you guys may be able to speak on that. I'm not sure. But I think Matthew Golden will take a step up. And I, some of these younger receivers, I've seen a couple of them. I don't, you don't know really how freshmen translate um, to the next level. But I think our, our top three, man, Jack Brown and Golden, and even Peyton Soar, he, he's shown that he got some speed. I think he'd be able to make some plays next year too. Hold that thought real quick. We have to go on the other side of commercial break. Uh, Ryan, stay with us. I know your time's uh, cutting short. but I've got a wrap present. 
<laughs> Don't go anywhere. You're watching Let's Rage Cougs on the Houston Rombaugh Review YouTube channel. Thank you for calling Star Pizza. This is Tim. How am I helping you? This is D.A. Jones. I'm calling to order some pizza. Hey, Mr. Jones. Same order as last time? Same order as last time. Okay, and the delivery address? Man, we over on Sack Ave. Sack Avenue? Let me see if we even deliver there. We right here on your map. All right, we'll see you in about 45 minutes an hour. Thanks. Hurry up. We hungry. I'm hungry, man. We eat the best pizza on Sack Ave. With it being the final Let's Rage Cougs of the football season here in 2022, of course, we had to get in that Sack Ave commercial sponsored Star Pizza, which is one of the sponsors for today's episodes of Let's Rage Cougs. Star Pizza with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is Houston's best pizza since 1976. And be sure to pay them a visit at starpizza.net where you can order online and check out their main menu items. Once again, it's starpizza.com. And our other sponsor for today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs is and it's H-O-U-N-I-L. H-O-U-N-I-L. As the Cougars move to the Big 12, Houston will be competing with national players in basketball like Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, and more. And they'll be competing with those programs in football, too. And like we saw today, there's a lot of catching up to do from a, maybe a recruiting standpoint. Those schools have fans that have built huge name, image, and likeness groups to get their athletes NIL compensation. That gives them a huge advantage over the University of Houston, where NIL is still in its infancy. But you can help Cougar athletes by getting involved. Go to HOUNIL.com to subscribe to player-created content like essays, videos, podcasts, and get access to private events with U of H players. Players are compensated for creating content, and fans get an inside look of their lives and plans start at just $20 a month. That money helps Cougars retain players to stay atop in basketball and help build momentum in football. HOUNIL.com. Subscribers get one-of-a-kind content straight from Cougar athletes. And subscribe today at HOUNIL.com. And as always, go Cougs. So we had that commercial break. Ryan, what what, what was your thoughts that you were going to say before, before the break? I don't know. You can't let me just go and sit for five minutes. I can't remember things that long. It was um, a two-minute commercial break. I feel like it was an hour, Andy. Come on. We're on the internet here. You can't lie. Um, <laughs> I, I see the timer. I, I uh, We were talking about the Big 12. And, mm. um, it, you know, there's just not a lot of opportunity to run the clock out in the Big 12. Right. And, uh, you know, everybody is throwing the ball all over the field. They're going fast. And if you're running the clock out against those offenses, you're just going to get blown out. Dayon brought up Matthew Golden, and I totally blanked on Golden. Um, I thought we'd have seen more of him this year, to be honest. Um, But Tank Dell got the bulk of the uh, targets, and I thought they would have phased Golden in more and more as the year went on. But we're definitely going to see him a lot next year. Uh, UTSA is in week one. I think Rice is week two and Sam Houston week three before TCU comes to town. Eventually, remember we early, like a month ago, two months ago, we were told we were getting the Big 12 schedule the first week of December. It's the yeah. 23rd 
and we still don't have it. Um, yeah. There were a lot of things going on behind the scenes with Texas and OU um, about limiting their sort of exposure. Um, if you played UT, you're probably not getting OU. If you host UT, you're definitely not hosting OU. Um, U of H is going to host UT, not going to play. I don't think going to play OU, definitely not hosting them. Um, but eventually we're going to see what the schedule looks like and see how this team can, can make it work. Um, I think that's a really interesting subject, but I don't think anybody's going to pay attention to it for nine months. It's going to be the first, the last week of August before anybody really cares about football around here. Um, I think attentions are going to turn really fast to basketball and uh, why not? And to add on to your point in regards to golden, I think a big part of it too had to be that rib injury where I think he missed, I can't remember it was three, but he, it kind of came in the middle of the season and then he didn't come back till might've been two games he missed cause he missed one and then they had the bye week but that, that extended Leo were basically cutting out most of his October, maybe played a part two, but I agree as well, Dan and, and Ryan, both of you guys' points. I think Golden certainly has the, the capability to be able to be that next go-to receiver for Houston, and it's just about continuing to, to progress throughout the offseason and into next season and much more challenging schedule in regards to conference play. Yeah, he missed two games um, and started um, – eight of the last 11. So he missed two games. He came off the bench against Temple. Um, but yeah, I think he's, he's definitely, he's got to be your number one guy uh, going into next year. So that's where you're going to run the, the passing game through and, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think probably be the number two, probably least in receptions is Alton. This is look at this number of catches he got his freshman year. I think they're going to lean on him heavily, not only running the ball, but catching the ball as well. But another position group that I'm interested to see how they reload because they've been so successful with this group is the D-line group. You look at the success that they've had with sacks, pressures, and then players getting drafted. Now moving into the Big 12, I'm really, really intrigued to see how they reload with that group, especially with the players we have leaving, Jones and Paris. I think Caesar's coming back. Bell is going. And so I'm really going to keep an eye out on if they can recruit well or if they have people in the stable we just don't know about. But how they're going to impact really on the defensive line because there's been the strength of the defense over the last – since Ed Oliver left, honestly. Yeah. Brian Early loves Jeremy Caldwell. Loves him. And so watch out for him. You're going to have Chidozi back. Yeah. Uh, as you said, Nelson Caesar. I – think Cedric Williams is back, but I can't 100% I think so too. say on that. Um, they've done a really good job developing guys. Um, DeAnthony Jones, who is an HOU NIL favorite, a first ballot Hall of Famer for us, um, he is the perfect example of guys that Brian has been able to develop. He came out of Long Beach, um, high energy, high motor, but did not have the skill set that that was needed to play at this level, but developed it. And he is in the backfield more than any guy I can ever remember uh, on a more consistent basis, especially this year when he, he's starting more games and, and getting more snaps. 
um, his win rate is really high against tackles. So you're going to miss that for sure. Nelson Caesar has to take that next step. I think they believe he can. I think they believe Jeremy Caldwell is going to be in that next group as well. Ryan, as we start to to wrap things up, uh, one thing I did want to get your thoughts before you head out is about that transfer in, in regards to the kind of the headline earlier in the week on Tuesday about Donovan Smith. How do you feel? What do you feel about that move, him joining the, the Houston Cougars and what that potentially could look like um, going forward into the Big 12? I think that gives you a starting point. Um, you needed a guy. I think they're going to take another out of the portal. Mm-hmm. It may not come in this window. There's another window that opens in May. It may come then. Um, they may find out in the spring they don't have exactly what they want. And, um, but I think they're going to take another, I mean, you just, you have the freshman coming in from Georgia. Um, but you really don't have a lot of, of young talent there. It needs to be five or six guys in that room, not two or three. So you've got to keep bringing guys in on Smith. I'm not sure what to think. I, I will admit I had not watched a lot of Texas tech this year. I do know that he fell down the depth chart a little bit after Mm -hmm. uh, converting that fourth and 20. It seems like his season kind of went the wrong way. Um, I I am curious to see what can happen, but it's, it's, I'm always alarmed when somebody flies down a depth chart and then they, they transfer out and, and they go to a school that I'm interested in or that I'm covering or whatever. Why is that? What is the reasoning for it? And it's not always a nefarious thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just, I want more information and we, we just don't have any, we haven't heard from Dana about transfers or about recruiting or anything. So it's just hard to tell where it is and and what's happening there. And I think it'd be healthy competition because just like you, I think it's a reason that he fell down a depth chart. Like, I don't know. I know he has problems with turnovers, but you still want to be able to kind of judge for yourself. And so I'm intrigued to see him. And I don't think with a player like him, you come in you or you guarantee him a starting job to get him to come to Houston. I don't think you have to do that with a player like that with his stature. I think well, you he, should never do it for anybody, frankly. I do. I agree, Nobody but should be stuff. guaranteed a starting spot. Oh, I agree 100%. 100%. But I think it's going to be healthy competition between him and Lucas. And I'm glad both of them have multiple years of eligibility because then they can grow with the program. They can develop and grow with the program and with the receiving core. I'm glad they didn't go around of getting a grad senior. But like you guys just said, they may bring someone else in. But I hope it, it isn't someone on a one-year eligibility left they get to start i mean well if it's more success to the football team then i would be all for it but just for and um just in my opinion i think it's better to get someone that can grow just for the future like max duggan for example for tcu he's a four-year starter he's been with that team didn't start the year as a starter but he ended up being in charge of the starter and the story um goes on to where they are now and so um i just can't wait to see it man i i don't think that he's is the penciled-in starter or not? Some people was asking me, oh, is he going to – I don't think so. He has to earn it just like everyone else. Dana Agreed. does like 
um, penciling in that starter. When he came here, Derek King was a starter. There was no question. Um, and then after Clayton filled in for him, he was the starter, no question. There was never really like a competition for it. Yeah, yeah. And I would really like to see that. Yeah. And I, I would not be opposed to a grad transfer if they can win the job. Um, you've got this year is a sort of a just an, a, a different kind of year moving up um, from this level to that. And you've just got to have whatever guy can turn plays into first downs and first downs into touchdowns. And I, I, I just don't think, I, I don't think they would be limiting it, but I, I would not. I want to see development because there's not a lot of development in this program as it is, but I would like to see guys develop. I would like to see young quarterbacks stay. Uh, Sophie Masood and um, Maddox, Cop. Maddox Cop have both transferred once in Cop now twice. Um, but I would like to see these guys develop. Uh, develop. And, and, you know, you played most of this year with Holman Edwards at, at second string. Uh, EK uh, was second string last year. And these are just not... These are not guys that should be one play away, not where they were right. uh, in this in that part of their development. So I, I think you need a guy like we just talked about with Clayton. That kid was so tough that it took him getting completely bell rung against Grambling last year to come out of a game. Um, and you're just not gonna you're not gonna get that lucky. Yeah. And so. You, you've got to have two guys that can do it. And, you know, maybe Lucas Coley's one of them. But we haven't seen it because Clayton Toon just hasn't come off the field, really. Yeah. Like you, like Ryan just said, he said it perfectly. I want to see development because you haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. And that's, that's really what I was hitting at. I want to see development specifically from the quarterback position. You, were, you hit it right on the head with that. Brian, before before you head out, I want to leave you it's kind of a comment. I think it, it's interesting because Merrick, who's one of the viewers on on YouTube watching on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, he's kind of put his Christmas list, a new head coach, a new coaching staff, a good replacement at quarterback, consistency in defense, improved offense, better O-line play, better secondary. That's a long list. So I'm going to toss it over to you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. If you could only pick one thing, what would you have at the top of the Ryan Monso Christmas list in regards to the football team heading into next season? Um, realistically, you want two quarterbacks that can play. Yeah. And if you're going to – if I mean, you're not getting a new head coach. I cannot imagine you're going to see any coordinator changes. You may see some position spots change. Brian Early could get a bump, you know, if somebody wanted to take a chance. But they're really well paid, to be honest. Um, I, I just don't think most of those are reasonable at this point. Where this program is and with the leadership, both in the program and in the athletics department as a whole, I just don't see a lot of rocking of the boat. Um if I were you, I would get really involved in this American Girl doll 
that's a much more reasonable thing to expect for Christmas. I just was exposed to this this week, and I think it's an outrage, and I think it's way too much money, and I think children are ripping off their parents, but I think it's a much better deal than expecting Dana Holgerson or Shannon Dawson or, or Belk to leave. We'll get you some sparkle glass cleaner as well. There you go, some Mr. sparkle <laughs> glass cleaner. <laughs> Absolutely, Dan. Uh, I'll toss it over to you. What What would you have on your list in regards to the football team heading into the yeah. Big 12? I mean, I got to go agree with Ryan. I would have to say quarterbacks, at least two quarterbacks that can play and get the job done. Um, that's really – that's it. I mean, the the secondary was young. I think Jalen Emery showed promise. I, in my opinion, I think he's probably our next really good corner. From what I've seen, he played really good over the last – the end of the season. So other than that, just quarterback play. I think we got the skill positions are going to be good. Offensive line is pretty much intact. I think they will have chemistry, to say the least. The rest is to be seen as far as they can compete in the Big 12. But quarterback's important, man. I, I would definitely go with the quarterback position for sure. Well, I think that's interesting something. And, Ryan, you know this in terms of what Dana Horgerson has said throughout the season when it comes to needing to bring in talent transfers in regards to up front at that offensive line position he said that it's something that, that they continue to improve on as they transition over to the big 12 in regards to the quarterback specifically at the beginning of the month i'm not entirely too sure when when exactly it was but dana Orson himself mentioned how from the transfer portal i said they were looking to bring in a quarterback which one of them already turned out to be donovan smith but the perfect role he wanted to bring in at least two and that's interesting that you bring up ryan it, it potentially if it doesn't come within the next few days or weeks it could come after the spring, which is, would be interesting to, to get a transfer in that way. But I think that's something that's certainly high on the list from this coaching staff per se, because at least that's what Horvison has said leading up to this game and into the offseason. Yeah, I think that, that that's a it's just vital to get another one um, and 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 have three guys that can push each, push each other. Um, Coley is is wholly unproven. And yeah, yeah. frankly, I think Donovan Smith is, too. Yep. You know, you've got to be able to do it for 14 weeks in the fall. It's not one or two or three games. It's It's got to be consistency. Yep. And you need that from your your point or your, your quarterback. I'm thinking Kelvin Sampson <laughs> told me something. He says this a lot. Mm. He says that the head coach, the best player, and the point guard can never have a bad game. They can never yeah. have a bad practice. And – I think that's so vital from your head coach and your quarterback uh, on the football field. They can't have bad practices. They can't take games or days off. They can't take plays off. And you've had a warrior here for four and a half, five years that has been that. He may not have succeeded every time, but he was a warrior. Yeah. And you need guys that come in with that mentality that that exude that and uh, you know it just it just depends on who you get and and how they are developed and that is going to be so important for this program to go into the big 12 and isn't this weird to say that the next game you play you're a member of the big 12 it is weird you know what else is weird, Dayon? <laughs> is that in the last 45 years, Dana Holgerson has more bowl wins at U of H than any other coach. 
His yeah. two. Damn. Bill Yeoman had one in the last, you know, after 1977. And, yeah. and, and no one else has had more than one. Uh, Sumlin had one. Uh, Tony Levine had one when he, he took over for the 2011 team. Uh, David Gibbs had one. Tom Herman had one. Yeah. And now Dana has two. Major never had one. Jenkins never had one. Pardee, Art Bryles, Kim Helton. I'm certain that will be a stat that we hear a little bit about in the next eight months. I'm sure it will, too. I'm willing to bet that something will hear. I'm willing to bet. That's a stat that says much more of what the status of the program has been over the course of the last 45 years. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got got six bowl wins since 2008. It's not perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than it had been for 30 years. Um, But – a guy, a coach, is always getting out of town after he leads a team to a a, a big season, and that's just not where the program is with Dana Holgerson. Well, with that last point just being said, you think Houston? Well, just kind of looking past Dana. Well, because I, I think they'll be able to retain Dana as long as he wants to stay, or and as long as they'll keep him. But after his tenure, you get a, another hire, a bigger coach or a bigger name coach, quote unquote. You think Houston would be able to retain them? Because that's been a problem. Like, like, like we just said, after a big year, a good win, then coaches would leave for bigger conference. Now Houston's in the Big 12. You think that's something they, that the problem that they still have occur? It, it just depends on what's the important thing at the time. Okay. Uh, U of H has proven they're willing to spend the money. And they'll be in the top half in the Big 12 uh, in coaching salaries. And they're going to spend on the staff as well. Um, If you get this new um, facility built, you should not have issues with facilities. TDECU lacks in a lot of ways, especially on the uh, 300 level. But it is enough for what you are. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, and this is not to push HOU NIL, but it becomes about NIL. Yeah, and U of H has, has put NIL on the back burner and while other schools are putting it way out front. And you can't compete with programs that are focusing their efforts and their resources to build these NIL group if you're not doing it. And in basketball, you're... You're going to see this push after this season of you're hearing it with football coaches about tampering and and things like that. You're going to start to hear that with some of the young players at U of H and it's going to be weird for U of H fans to fully comprehend that people want to steal your players, but it's going to happen. JVA Francis is the perfect example. That kid is developing in front of our eyes and he's mm-hmm. getting better every single game. Yeah, he no. is doing things. He did things against McNeese that he just, he wasn't mentally able to do two weeks ago. Yes. Uh, physically able to do either. Um, he, and he didn't block himself uh, on the bottom of the rim. And so he's yeah. improving and there is going to be a market for a guy like him yes. for Emmanuel Sharp who can get open and shoot the three. There's a market for that. 
Yep. Will U of H be able to retain them? Now, I think both of those guys are locked into the program, and I'm not suggesting anything is happening. But those are the type of guys that big programs with big NIL budgets are going to want. You don't see that with football right now because there's just not mm, – there's, and I don't want to say there's no one worth stealing. No, but I see the but, point. But there's, there's no one that – you know, is going to command some huge market um, besides maybe Alton McCaskill. Yeah, that's what if, I was thinking. If we're to relieve. Now, yeah. I don't think Alton's yeah. leaving. I do think you will see some changes in the next week in the portal uh, with U of H football since the ball game. A lot of guys got in in this game, and maybe they have some film, and maybe they have a desire to leave. Maybe they're going to be asked. But um, – you're still going to see a lot of changes, and I think you're going to see uh, probably some more high school signings and definitely some some transfer signings. I don't think the portal has worked out like they've wanted it to with football. Uh, the Sam Khan article was focused in the athletic was focused on being the first person to target these people in the portal, be the first to offer them, be the first in their ear, and that hasn't translated. Donovan Smith was your I think your third player, you had the guy from UT, The I think he was an offensive lineman, the Alabama kicker, which is not a priority, and then Donovan Smith, who is a priority. Yeah. I talked for a long time there, guys. Sorry about that. Star no, pizza. No. Well, Actually, you, 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 you said it perfectly because I was about to do the commercial break, but before that, I was going to ask you, are you good to stick with us throughout the commercial break? And, yes. And okay. star pizza. <laughs> Perfect, and that that basically makes you a co-host of today's episode. But what does that, that pay, note, by the way? Till commercial break, we go. Hey, what'd you order? Oh, pizza and tea. Shouldn't it be ready by now? Big Hawk, he had his kind of shiny moments today during the ESPN broadcast. They started mentioning him a lot. He, they started mentioning him. I don't know. My audio was kind of turned out. When, in regards to, to Big Hawk, he had his big shining moment on national stage on ESPN during the broadcast in the second half. But that commercial was of Star Pizza, who is one of the sponsors of, today, of today's episode in Let's Rage Cougs streaming on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel with various locations across the Houston area. Be sure to check out Star Pizza, Houston's best pizza since 1976, and pay them a visit online at starpizza.net. And our other sponsor for today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs, H-O-U-N-I-L. Just talked about name, image, and likeness in the University of Houston. H-O-U-N-I-L.com is a subscription-based name, image, and likeness model that benefits both Cougar student-athletes and fans. H-O-U-N-I-L helps student Houston athletes benefit from the new NIL rules. Athletes can create original content in their own words, giving subscribers insight into their lives on and off the court. What the players need for you is to subscribe. Plans start at just $20 a month, and the money goes to the University of Houston athletes. Subscribers will get one-of-a-kind content straight from the players while helping the Houston Cougars compete on a national stage. Subscribe at H-O-U-N-I-L.com. And as always, go Cougs. 
Ryan, since you're sticking with us, I'm going to go to you first because we just want you to continue talking. <laughs> but we're going to focus on the defense per, per se because something that Dan and I talked about before you hopped on was really the turnaround they, they were able to do in the second half. That's something you tweeted out that over the course of the game, it was a lot of bend, 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 but they never broke. And they started making plays towards the second half, something that really we didn't see a lot throughout the course of the season in regards to coming away with three turnovers or forcing three turnovers on Louisiana, which were pivotal, including one when the Raging Cajuns were marching down the field. It looked like they were just destined to score a touchdown on that drive. They ended up coughing, coughing up the ball inside the 10-yard line, which was a pivotal play in the game that not only kept them off the board but allowed Houston to, to get the ball back and, and drive themselves. A lot was said this season in regards to defense from the drop-off of where it was a season ago. Um, there were some people calling for the head of, of Doug Buck, which both Dan and I weren't necessarily on board of that train. But I think it's interesting, Dan, you mentioned Jalen Emery. Um, the defensive line, something that Brian Early has been a key figure from that defensive side perspective, has been one of the areas that Houston has been able to develop players from a football perspective. Dan, I'll go to you. I know, Brian, I said I was going to go to you first, but Dan, I'll go to you first because in regards to the defense and Doug Belk, do you feel like a game like this is in the second half, that's something that shows flash like this is what Doug Buck, if you give him enough time, there's a lot of new players and new roles that potentially give him another full off season. They could look much more like the 2021 defense than they did for a bulk of the 2022 season. Uh, I don't know if this game shows that per se, but I think overall, if you look at the collection of young players who was inserted into the lineup due to injuries or due to whatever the, um, whatever the case was, I think he's shown that he can coach them up to get them in a position to make plays. I mean, mm-hmm. um, if you look at overall outside, most of the games outside of the SMU that automatically sticks out to my head, defense played well enough to win games. I think it's just the overall the teams have to play more complementary football. If the defense gives up a drive offense, you have to good drive if the, and, and so forth. I think they got to play off each other better. They did it at time in spurts, but overall it wasn't more collective. And so, but overall, I mean, I think Doug Belk, he, he's an awesome leader um, as well as coach. I think the players really, really, truly believe in who he is as a leader um, and as a man, also as a coach. I think he's this, – this is his second year fully calling plays defensively, and so he's still developing as well. And so I just trust in what we've seen from him early with the collection of talent that he has. He's proved that he can coach them and get them to play at a high level versus this year, how is – not so much that NFL talent and still have some talent injuries and all different things. He still kind of pieced it together to um, show flashes of what can be. And so I, I think the future is bright. I'm sure he's an awesome recruiter. I'm not sure if he's the lead recruiter and getting a lot of these defensive guys, but I'm seeing some defensive guys that they were getting. And I'm sure he has something to do with that. But I think overall he, he's shown enough to to have something to build on for sure. Ryan, some question to you in regards to Belk. This is a guy that uh, there's a big reason why they had to give him that extension that makes him the highest coordinator for for Houston perspective. It puts him on par because they were scared that he was going to get poached from a bigger program and turn around a season later. A lot of fans were frustrated with the way the defense had performed. What do you think about overall what the defense showed in this game and going forward about I mean, potentially they started to show enough flashes that maybe there's some optimism in regards to that side of the ball come 2023? 
So Belk looked like a genius when he had two shutdown corners. Right. It's amazing how smart you are. Uh, Luke Fickle looked like a genius when he had Sauce back there just shutting and, people down. And Kobe Bryant that was on the other side. Right, but, Kobe Bryant. That's, I couldn't remember his name. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. They look like geniuses, right? Uh, and then when you don't have that, and you, you lose guys to injury, a lot of guys to injury, for the third year in a row, fourth year in a row. That's a weird thing that maybe can be addressed some way. Um, but I think there's a lot of young talent, and there's there's some young talent that really interests me. Jamal Morris is a guy that really interests me, the linebacker. I love his story. I love – I've met him in person one time, and I was blown away by the guy, uh, and and just how authentic he seemed to be. He had a breakout game today. He forced a fumble. Um, obviously, they saw something on film because you had you had two guys uh, kind of just shoved their hand in to the side and and kind of not even peanut punch, but like just like with a flick of a wrist cause fumbles today uh Cedric Williams was kind of out of position with his body when he caused his and it's just stunning that they gave up what looked like to be just shouldn't happen fumbles uh I didn't think Louisiana was very good offensively at all in the game they did drive on the first drive but a, a few small adjustments by U of H and they were wholly ineffective I think Penalties killed them in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, they they had a 15 yard penalty when in an earlier drive in the first half, I guess, uh, a, a personal foul on a receiver who went and hit Donovan Mutant um, after the play was over, and it just made no sense why you would do that, and it it cost you a touchdown or cost them a touchdown, and it, that is lack of discipline they obviously were going at it all week with u of h players and and back and forth and it was a lot of chippiness in the game uh, but surprisingly and i'm gonna just u of h didn't take that bait you know yeah. you see when things go that way this team has been the team that's taken the bait and they didn't today and that is surprising and it's good um but I, I was i don't i was never as high on belt as others and i've never been as low to the point of firing him like some others might be i think that when you have those guys uh, you had logan hall last year you had uh marcus jones i mean those are top top 33 draft picks just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And that makes a pretty big difference. Yeah. And so if Doug Belk has that kind of talent and has a year like this, then yeah, that's a problem. So you would say much more. It was maybe not necessarily due lack of talent overall, but just in terms of the circumstances, the injuries, it's much more a reflection of that than maybe Belk's coaching ability per se. I think so. Um, but it also, you know, 
at the same time, in the second half of the year, you you gave up a lot of points to an SMU team that's, eh. And you gave up a lot of points to a Tulsa team that had pretty much already fired their head coach. Um, <laughs> that can't happen, you know. I mean, it was obvious that he was gone. And um, you had a first-year head coach in Rhett Lashley at SMU that, that threw up 77 points. That can't happen. And the fact that Louisiana Lafayette did not just keep throwing the ball was shocking. And, you know, I mean, this team has an obvious deficiency. And if I'm an offensive coordinator or a head coach, I'm attacking that until they completely prove that they've, they've patched that hole. And U of H didn't prove that, but ULL just didn't didn't attack it. That very first drive, that quarterback made some throws that you can't defend. To his credit, that especially that touchdown over Donovan Mutant, that's a throw you can't defend. And also it's another, I think it was a third down route. I think if Donovan Mutant was in coverage as well, if my memory serves me well. And and but also to Jamal, to your point about Jamal Morris, uh, Morris, and also I want to add Manny Nunnery. I think he also had a good game. Another young linebacker who um, struggled at times during the season, but you you seen flashes of his pure athleticism. I think with the experience, he's been able to read plays. The game has kind of slowed down for him, and so um, I think I agree. I think it just um, a managing of injuries and a lack of experience and not having that elite talent like we both alluded to with the likes of Pepe, Marcus Jones, Logan, and et cetera, et cetera. And more importantly, the depth up front. I think that caused so much because when you aren't getting as home as a, as fast as they were last year and early in the year, that forces the DBs to cover longer. And so I think that's another effect that played in a part because last year you look at De'Anthony Jones led the team in sacks, but he was primarily just a third-down rusher. This year, he was the every down DN, and they didn't have that depth and ability to keep him fresh, to keep Nelson Caesar fresh. Then you look when um, when Parrish went down, he was the guy that kind of would be give those other two guys rest, well, give each other rest. They were able to play off each other, I should say, to kind of give them fresh. And so the D line is just as important as it is on the back end, I think, as well. Put a pin in as we near the well, we passed our mark here. But let's reach Cougs, the final 2022 post game show of the Houston Cougars football team. Like Ryan alluded to earlier in the show, the next time we do a let's reach Cougs for the football team, it will be covering a big 12 Houston Cougars football team. But once again, the final score in Houston Cougars victorious in the Independence Bowl, they pull out the 23 to 16 victory over Louisiana and kind of the, the final play at least the final offensive play or the penultimate offensive play because technically they did have the kneel down that's all the go-ahead score Clayton Toon connected with Tank Dell that was reception or the duos reception number 17 of the year that's really been again like we said at the beginning of the show day on those two they were kind of the the face of the entire offense for the Houston Cougars and it was fitting because we knew that Clayton Toon, this is his final year. as a senior year. He's not going to – his final game. He's not going to play for the Cougars once again. Tank Dell, he's – also his final game. He's going to be entering the NFL draft, and he'll be looked to, to get his name called in come April. But for Dell specifically – Ryan, where do you think they both get – where do you think Tank gets drafted? And do you think um, Clayton has a chance to get drafted? I have no clue. I have – 
I don't really follow the NFL. I certainly don't follow the draft. That's just a – it's like recruiting to me. I just don't get it. I, I don't I don't care. I, I'm focused on those years there on Cullen and then <laughs> uh, – but I think Clayton Toon is the prototype of what you want, like what the NFL wants in a quarterback. He's just a big, tough, well-built guy. And I think if his life ends up like Case Keenum, where he's yeah. in the league for, what, 11 years? That's not so bad. Yeah. Um, that pension's pretty good. Yeah. So I, I think that I think he has the opportunity to latch on. I don't know if it's a draft pick. I don't know if it's free agency. Um, but I, I think that he has a definite chance. I don't have any clue about Dell. But, uh, I mean, we've seen it for so long that he's just, he's just a gamer. And, and he'll go across the middle, and I think that matters. Well, I think that's an interesting point in regards to Dell because when you look at the, the top receivers that are getting out of this year's class, it'll be part of this year's NFL class. Dan, I'll go to you first. Do you feel like he could be one of those top ten receivers or even – beyond that do you think he's on that top 10 threshold or do you think he's below that i have to look at the list right at the top of my mind i would say he's in that upper echelon of slot receivers you got people from like smith and jigma coming from ohio state who's the number one outside receiver but i think it's broken down with inside and outside i think he's going to be one of the least top five maybe top two slot receivers in this draft you look at the likes of hunter renfro people like that i think he's better than him um other people like that, I think he's going to be on the upper echelon of slot receivers and he'll have his, his chance to get his name called in the draft. Marquez Stevenson, when he entered the drafts, he, I can't remember, was he, he was a six-round pick, correct? I think or so, seven, yes. Six. Around there by the Bills. I think this would be an interesting question for the panel. Do you guys feel that what Dell was able to do at Houston surpassed what Stevenson was able to do during his time with the Cougars? I think so simply on the strength of there's no injury history with Dell mm-hmm. at Houston. He pretty much stayed healthy. He showed he can complete as far as route running, ability to not only catch on the outside, win on the outside, but like Ryan just mentioned, go across the middle, and he has the ability of punt return, just like um, um, Marquez Stevenson. I think Speedy is more explosive, but I think overall, just to answer your question, I think he has more strictly uh, strictly on him staying healthy. Ryan, you got anything to add? On I completely that? agree. I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't. I mean I... – Stevenson never had the numbers that Dell has put up. He didn't have the mm-hmm. 90 and 100 yard receptions in the 17, I guess, touchdowns this yeah, year. 17 touchdowns. Um, I, I think Marquez's best year was nine. It may have been 10. Uh, so it just, it, I mean, he never put those numbers up. Um, they're about the same size, I would guess. I think Stevenson may be just a little taller. Um, but I think Dell has proven himself in the return game. Now, they didn't use him so much in the return game the second half of the season. I don't think he returned kicks. 
for the most part. And then the punt situation was, was pretty weird in the second half of the year uh, with flipping him and Peyton Sawyer and then Sammy Brown, I think, returned some. But I think he has that ability. And while not Marcus Jones, I think he can be a benefit and, and make a roster because of his receiving. But, you know, when, when Ty goes to the runner, it's that, that ability in special teams that could help him out. I think that the other thing that Dell has going for him to look last year in the American Athletic Conference game when they played Cincinnati, I know it's going back a year, but when he had to go against Kobe Bryant and against Sauce Gardner, he still put up his numbers. He had nine receptions for 152 yards and touchdown against the Bearcats a season ago. I think that goes a long way too when competing against that NFL level talent, he didn't necessarily shrink in that moment. So that's something that scouts look for. And he still has, I, I always forget what game he's going to play in. I think it's going to be the senior bowl that, that he'll, they'll be participating in. So he still has a long time from now until April to continue to build up his draft stock. And I think that potential is there for him to, for a team to fall. And it only takes one, you know, that's the old cliche saying for them to fall in love. And he still has a lot of room to continue to develop at that next level. But as we wrap things up here on Let's Reach Cougs, the final for the 2022 football season, again, the final score, Houston came out victorious 23 to 16, We'll put a bow on it. So, again, we've, we've hit on all the points. Clayton Toon and Tankdale, they did their thing on offense. The defense shut out. So, I'll just leave it point blank, point blank simple. How would you describe the 2022 football season? Because I know my word. My word is inconsistent. Uh, there's a lot of other words that people can use <laughs> and a lot of different ways to describe it. But how would you guys describe this season if you could in, in one word? Go ahead. Um, one word, I would say. Mm, I mean, I, I don't want to say inconsistent because they were consistent with what they were this year. <laughs> and so um, they were consistently inconsistent. I'll put down. Right. No, right. Right. No, I get what you, I get it. Uh, man, that's a tough one for me. I would say. I don't know, man. I can't put one word on it. I can't. I, that's a tough one. I don't know. What you say, Ryan? Over. There you go. <laughs> say me, uh, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. You, you right there, Richie. We're so glad the season knows over and I love college football. Yeah. Yeah, it's 77 91. On to next season. That's all I'm going to say after this. There it is. Would you guys say, oh, in orbit, mediocre? That's the word he used to describe it's it. A, that's a reasonable word. Yeah. Would um, you guys? I, I, that's, a, that's a reasonable, yeah. When we all put our expectations on this team, I did not have mine at eight wins and a week in Shreveport. Me um, I don't know what other expectations Dana are talking about, but that's, that's not it. Uh, (laughs) When you talk about these two great years that he's had, you have a a trophy from Birmingham and a trophy from Shreveport. And I just don't think that's where people really have, have focused what they wanted or what they expected when you, when you got him from West Virginia four years ago this week. Mm -hmm. 
great point. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs. Ryan, we thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you have to go wrap hey, up presents. Uh, you guys I do. Go. Do you have a room on the Mattress Mac Jet when you're going to Tulsa this week? Because I just need one seat, and I have a very small carry-on. But No, because the windshield wipers are not going to work, and it was yeah. Delta. It was a okay. Don't get me started. <laughs> and on that, you know what? For that, I was going to give you a time to plug, and you won't even get no, – I'm, jo- I'm joking. Where can, where can people find you? I know it's getting cut off by the – The, the, the H-O-U, the N-I-L. There you go. Ryan from GoCooks.com. That's me. Uh, GoCooks.com. Been around five years doing some pretty good stuff. And then some yeah. – and then H-O-U-N-I-L.com. We're working with players, with athletes. We're making content, videos. Uh, if basketball players are getting back. Christmas night, they have to report at 7 o'clock. At 7.15, we're getting in there and we're recording content. Kelvin Sampson doesn't know this yet, but they're not practicing for Tulsa. They're doing content with us. That is that is breaking <laughs> right here on this show. Um, but that's that's where our focus is, and, and we're going to continue to build the content for U of H fans. We're going to help U of H athletes build their brand. You know, this isn't just about content. This is about... We want to help them get other NIL deals. If we can stack them on top of each other, Lincoln Cougs, Star Pizza, us, whoever else comes, that's how you win in NIL. And that's what we're trying to do for U of H athletes. H-O-U-N-I-L.com. And Dayon, as always, thank you for joining. Where can people find you? Find me on all social media platforms, of course, at Dayon Dunlap, like it shows on the screen. And, um, I mean, it's go Cougs. Football season is over, like Ryan said, onward and upward, like Chris says, to the basketball, man. Now, getting ready to support a winning program. I'm excited. Love all the content that Ryan and go Cougs have been putting out, the um, H-O-U-N-I-L that they're doing. It's all great, man. Just like us on this platform, we're pro-Houston, pro-Cougs, and we're trying to expand um, not only us as a as – group but also expand the knowledge and talk on houston sports overall and so glad you guys for um taking your time out today on your friday and joining us for this post last race cooks last episode of football but follow me at day on dunlap and as always i do want to take the time well first people can find me on twitter at aon is underscore five but i do want to give a shout out to chris gardner for allowing us to use his houston round ball review youtube channel for the entire journey and a big shout out we got to the end in regards to the football season for this episode specifically a shout out to hruinil.com and star pizza but also hoop and holler the houston cougars micro collective and five star properties that they, they were the initial primary sponsor way back when september 3rd when the cougars there's still a lot of optimism in the air in regards to the season playing out they were the first primary sponsor and then the saxadian family as well that took over the primary sponsorship after I want to say the first week in October, it was around that time, but without them, it really, they helped us out, get this thing off the ground. And obviously without all the viewers, they may be watching live on the Houston Ron Bar review YouTube channel or listening to the audio only versions, wherever you get pods, time and jamma, you want to be able to do this show without you guys. And Ryan, since you are from here from HRU and I'll thank you as well, because without your guys' support, it'd be much tougher to be able to do a show like this. So you guys help support us continuing to cover university of Houston athletics, where 
really they can't have this. Who else is doing a post game show on down? I know you said a winning program with the men's basketball team, but the football team went eight and five. That's a winning program too. But um, as always, Ryan, do you have anything else to say before we close out? I don't. Thank y'all, guys. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Dayon, as always, how do we close out here on Let's Rage? Always, baby. Go Cougs. Star Pizza. <laughs>